welcome to the Blue Skies Political Podcast. My name is Aaron O'Toole, the Member of Parliament from Durham, and today I'm joined by a colleague and a good friend of mine here at the House of Commons, Todd Doherty. Todd, welcome. Aaron, thank you so much for uh, allowing me this opportunity. No problem. And where are you the MP for? Uh, I'm the MP for, probably the MP for Caribou Prince George. Wonderful. And you were elected in the 2015 general election. What did you do before that? I was uh, 20 plus years in aviation and trade and uh, representing Canada, representing our region on the world stage. Outstanding. And I've had the good fortune, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, visit Prince George a couple of times and to see the respect Todd has in his riding, the passion he has for its people. And we toured uh, some businesses, but also a great uh, veterans equestrian and equine therapy uh, area with a couple of veterans. And so that was a very special time. But here, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about private members' bills. And what's great about Parliament, and I say this regularly, is if you come as the proud representative for Caribou Prince George or for Durham, and you want to fight for issues that matter to your constituents, to your community, or policy areas that you're passionate about, you just have to seize the initiative. And Bill C-211 is an example of that. So why don't you tell us about the bill, Todd, and why you chose this as your private member's bill. Absolutely. Well, Bill C-211 calls on the government uh, to uh, develop a national framework with respect to post-traumatic stress disorder uh, as it pertains to our first responders, our veterans, and our military. Um, it is an issue that uh, seizes the day in, uh, in all of our media. There, aren't, uh, community, there are communities across Canada that uh, have experienced uh, losses of our first responders, our veterans, active military that um, have lost the fight with, uh, with respect to post-traumatic stress disorder. It is a, a disease, um, it is an illness, it is an injury that we are now only just beginning to understand. Um, and you mentioned it earlier, um, you know, we've got, uh, in my riding alone, we've got the Community for Veterans, Paul and Terry Nichols, that did uh, some great work in bringing awareness to the changing face of our veterans, that it's no longer just the World War II veterans or the Vietnam veterans or the, um, or the Korean veterans uh, or even our World War I veterans, but we now have um, uh, men and women in their 20s that are coming back and they're forever changed from... Um, the horrors that they've seen, the tragedies they experienced, and um, and that has impacted them. Our first responders every day, um, whether it's police, fire, ambulance, police, or even our corrections officers, our 911 dispatch, um, they nothing prepares you for the tragedies that you're going to experience, mm-hmm. whether it is the sights, the smells, or the human tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing quite that prepares that for you. And everyone, yeah. everyone, um, Everyone handles it a little bit differently. What might trouble me may not trouble you. And um, but Now, on this issue, though, yeah. the first time I met you in Ottawa mm-hmm. as a brand-new, keen member of Parliament mm-hmm. from B.C., uh, we had a great dinner, and you told me about this passion. What led you to fight for this, for, as you said in your speech, for your over 600 days of mm-hmm. uh, being a parliamentary uh, parliamentarian fighting for it? Were you working on these issues before you came to Ottawa? Yeah, I, well, um, my background in, uh, now you're going to date me, um, back in the late 80s, I worked with at-risk youth, at-risk adults, uh, suicide prevention, crisis intervention. I took that um, that training, that background, 
really applied that to my personal life, uh, whether it was coaching hockey, whether it was working within my community. A lot of my friends are veterans. A lot of my friends are uh, first responders uh, and are active military. And you only need to look at today's newspaper to see how post-traumatic stress disorder um, and PTSD is impacting uh, our friends, our colleagues, and our families. Um, so that I knew that if, um, you know, actually uh, a wise man told me that if I was fortunate enough to be elected um, and fortunate enough to have the opportunity to represent Caribou Prince George, pick something that I was deeply passionate about and do whatever I could to champion it because you never know what role you're going to get. Mm -hmm. you, never, you never know if this opportunity is going to come again. And um, it is something that, you know, while well, I said it was 600 days, I actually started working on this in August of 2014 before I actually got the nomination. Um, and then in January of 2015, after receiving the, the nomination, I, I actually got to work on it and working okay. with the first responders and developing it. Now, a lot of our listeners won't understand how private members' bills work, mm -hmm. but there is a lottery for positions uh, on the order paper mm -hmm. in terms of MPs that can bring forward issues. So you drew a pretty good lottery spot. What was your number? Uh, 45, I believe. Yeah, so you knew that within the first two years of this session, your yeah. bill would come up. And you were ready. You introduced it probably a year early almost. Yeah, I did. Uh, we were ready to go. So we were elected on the 20th of October 2015, landed in, uh, in Ottawa on the 26th of, uh, of, of uh, October. And I had the background already ready. Mm -hmm. I first had to hire some staff um, to get that going. Met with the legislative uh, uh, group for Parliament. And then our first convening of our, our caucus and our party, I went to the leadership and said, uh, and I was very fortunate at that time uh, that we had some great people like yourself in there, that I went and said, this is what I'd like to do. It was very early days. I think I surprised mm -hmm. even uh, our own leadership team. And um, I, I just said, look, this is something that uh, it is so important. It is a nonpartisan issue. And if you trust me, I'll do all the work on it, legwork on it. Yeah. You... You were a man on a mission, and uh, I was fortunate to second your bill and very proud to support it, speak on it, be there uh, uh, earlier this week when, uh, or last week when we saw some magnificent speeches, including yourself. Uh, so you brought a positive approach right from day one, and you got opposite, well, opposition in terms of NDP, but you also got government members mm -hmm. supporting you. What a lot of people won't realize is two things. Not only are private members' bills rare to pass, uh, through the House of Commons, an opposition private member's bill is very rare. How did you get all parties to buy in, including the government? I, well, I, first off, I started with looking after our own house and, and, and talking to folks like yourself that had been here before and asking for guidance. Um, and then I, I started to work on the government um, in terms of meeting with individual uh, MPs. And, you know, I, I believe that we... We might not have gotten all 338 uh, that we were able to meet with, but I bet you we, we met with probably over 300 of them um, and just talked to them about the, um, you know, the stories that were in my riding, stories that were in their areas, and showed them that this is, uh, again, it's not a political football. It is a very real issue, and it's a nonpartisan issue. Yeah. No, well, and listen, there's nothing better than somebody on a mission like yeah. you were, somebody that had the knowledge and somebody who worked. So like you said, you not only uh, championed the bill, you built relationships. Uh, and I know that a lot of Liberal members particularly stayed around for your speech to show support. You also built critical relationship within first responders mm -hmm. and uniformed service communities. You want to talk a bit about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, again, um, 
I'm not the expert in this. Um, I know what I read in the newspaper. I know how it has impacted our lives, our personal lives. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that what we did, um, the industry were on side with. And so whether it was uh, the Paramedics Association, Corrections uh, Canada officers, RCMP, um, stakeholders, TEMA, Badge of Life, all these groups that are doing some incredible work, uh, we wanted to make sure that we had a touch point with them, that they their voices were heard. Um, as I said in my speech, there are, there are groups that are doing some incredible work already today. Um, we don't need to reinvent the wheel, we just need to make sure that we are developing a consistent framework from coast to coast to coast to coast mm -hmm. to make sure that we're looking after it. So we wanted to make sure that industry and stakeholders were involved. And this comes to, I think, the meat of this, how you think a national strategy for post-traumatic stress disorder, or as I like to say, mm -hmm. operational stress Absolutely. injuries, um, can help. I know when I was Minister of Veterans Affairs, I worked with Jason Kenney, mm -hmm. Defence Minister, to make sure that our road to mental readiness document uh, was shared. And I, I've met with fire departments, police departments mm -hmm. that have used that training. And who better to tackle this new issue? It's not a new issue in terms of its been with us mm -hmm. since the dawn of time, we're now in a mature fashion understanding it and giving treatment options, allowing the stigma to be released Absolutely. and reduced. And so uh, we were pushing this out. How will this bill help in terms of using that expertise on a federal level, but making sure there's sort of a national approach? What do you envision? Well, I think first and foremost, um, before I get into how the bill is going to help, um, even just tabling the bill. We've heard over and over again that we've helped, um, you know, those that are suffering, whether it's a first responder, a veteran, a military, or even others, uh, you know, um, from all walks of life, to be able to kind of break that stigma. That's so important. Allow people the opportunity to feel that um, to build that trust that they can come forward and say they're hurting. Um, but our bill overwhelmingly is about developing that consistent uh, care, treatment, diagnosis. Um, but even to the point of terminology, I think you allowed me a spot on one of our very first committee um, opportunities. It was the first time I ever sat on a committee, and I used almost my whole seven minutes to grandstand, and I got some great wisdom from you, and I thank you for that. <laughs> but even within our academia um, and from coast to coast in our industry, we've got a difference in terminology. Some call it post-traumatic stress disorder, some call it post-traumatic stress, some call it occupational stress injury. OSIs, um, is it a first responder as a public safety officer? We want to make sure that we are consistent from coast to coast to coast, and that's what this bill will uh, um, allow us to do. I also want to touch on the road to mental readiness, uh, R2MR program that was developed in our last government, and our military, our Canadian forces are using it. Um, it is a, a great template that we can use with our first responders, uh, and uh, our military and our veterans, and it's something that I believe that will be leading edge for the world. The world is watching us. Um, mm -hmm. The messages that we've gotten f since last Friday and along the way uh, from Australia, from the UK, from even in the US about some of the things that we're doing here, we just have to get that consistent national framework in place yeah. and get leadership again from the federal government. When I was minister, I often said, and I said in response to your speech last week, that the Canadian Armed Forces started getting their head around operational stress injuries in the 90s. Yep. And I remember when the crash of Swiss Air Flight mm -hmm. 111 happened in Nova Scotia, and there were responders from the Navy, from my squadron, uh, 423 Squadron in Shearwater. It was the first time I ever heard the term 
critical incident stress or operational stress, and the military brought counselors uh, to to our squadron to make sure that people could talk about people could decompress. Mm-hmm. Now with R2MR, there's resiliency training. We're trying to prepare people, although you can never truly, yeah. but prepare them to make sure that they look at mental injuries much like a physical injury. Absolutely. If you come out of that or there's a cumulative aspect to exposure to trauma, know when you need help. Mm-hmm. Put your hand up because there's great treatment options. So your bill not only will it help build that framework and that national standard approach, even the talk about it mm-hmm. is educating and reducing stigma. While we conclude, why don't you share maybe one of the most touching of the hundreds of stories you've heard as a result of Bill C-211? Um, gosh, there's, uh, there are so many. Um, uh, I think the one uh, that um, sticks out and it's um, it's well publicized as well. There's a staff sergeant uh, in um, Prince George, he's a good friend of mine. I've known him since 1999. He's one of our leading officers in terms of our serious crimes. Um, and at Christmas time, you know, as we do in our in this life, you get busy kind of moving to one meeting to the next. And I saw him, I hadn't seen him for a while, uh, and he was debriefing with, with his officers or his team. And I just patted him on, on the shoulder and said, hey, I, I hope you're doing well. I haven't seen you for a long time. I don't know if, um, you know, I just hope things are well. And then I kind of walked past. Uh, and I came back, I don't know why, but something drew me back. And, and I just said, I don't know if, uh, sorry to interrupt, I don't know if you uh, know I have a private member's bill to, to deal with PTSD. Um, and I have a challenge coin that I developed and I just want you to have this. And I apologized to the other guys that were there um, because I didn't have enough for them. But I told them that um, my friend knew how to get a hold of me if they wanted one. And then I went to my meeting. And then I think it was the next day uh, we went on with our Christmas and our, and our holiday season. And I got back from uh, a family vacation and there was uh, emails, uh, some voicemail messages and it was my friend trying to get a hold of me. And so I phoned him and I said, you know, what's going on? Everything right? And he said, look, he goes, I don't know if you believe that things happen for a reason. And I said, what, you know, absolutely, what, what's going on? And he said, that day, something drew you back. And he goes, I was at my darkest point. And I hadn't talked to anybody about this. I hadn't confided to anybody. And essentially, I was saying goodbye. And he says, you gave me that coin. Uh, and he says, I'm not, kill- uh, I'm not kidding you. He goes, um, he goes, you saved my life. And he goes, I went home that day. I, I told my wife what I'd been dealing with for the last eight years. Um, and I want to be the, the voice and the face of your bill. And he goes, because it'll save lives. And I'm living proof every day of it. Uh, and I'm happy to say that, um, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's doing incredible. He's still wow. leading his, he's still working. Um, but he's getting help and he's there with his family every day and he's healthy, so, yeah. Wow, no, and I know from talking to you the, the countless stories and, uh, and impact you've had um, showing that we care about those Absolutely. who care about us. We need to serve here in Parliament those who serve us in uniformed services across the country. And like programs like Let's Talk, mm-hmm. sometimes it's that one thing that stimulates a talk and to say, look, I need some help. Yep. And there is help out there. That's what reducing the stigma is. Now that we're going to have Bill C-211 uh, making its way and making sure Canada becomes a leader in standardizing the uh, recognition, treatment, 
and options for people with operational stress or PTSD, I think we can be very proud to know more people like your friend will will talk and get better, get well. Um, So look, Todd Doherty, my friend, very proud of you uh, to champion this, very proud that the House is behind it, goes off to the Senate next. But Bill C-211, a national framework for helping those and our first responders and military and uniformed services with post-traumatic stress disorder, making sure there's a national framework, an example of the fact that doesn't matter what seat you have in the house, doesn't matter, matter what side of the house you're on, if you're passionate, knowledgeable, and work hard and collaboratively, you can do a lot of good. So what a great way to end the parliamentary session. We're here in the opposition leaders boardroom waiting for our last vote. But listen, our whole caucus and I think uh, the whole House of Commons is very proud of you, Todd. So you have a great summer. Thank you for your passion for those who serve us. Aaron, uh, I've said this uh, time and again. I just want to say thank you for your friendship. And moreover, thank you for your leadership because uh, we're a better team with you here. Absolutely. So listen, thank you very much for listening to this very important Blue Skies political podcast. I'm Aaron O'Toole, the Member of Parliament for Durham. Tune in for more podcasts throughout the summer. If you have any ideas on topics, if you do want me to dredge up war stories from the Conservative leadership, I will do it. Um, Email me through aaronotoolmp.ca. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I want to serve you in Durham and on issues across the country that matter. So today, very fortunate to be joined by Todd Doherty, the MP for Durham Prince George. Thank you for listening.